What is up, guys? Welcome back to the 307 Podcast. On today's episode, you get to hear a full and in-depth recap of our latest advanced Alpine mission with Team Ascension. Uh, a lot of lessons learned in this mission and a lot of absolutely hilarious stories. So I hope you enjoy it. Hey, guys, I want to let you know that this episode is brought to you by our hydration partner, Hoist. If you haven't tried Hoist, you're missing out. This is IV level hydration. Um, it's the best hydration product that we have found here at 307 Project to keep us fueled and hydrated and uh, keep us out there in the heat, especially in these Georgia summers. It is much better than your other uh, hydration electrolyte drinks in that it has clean ingredients. Uh, it has everything you need, calcium, potassium, magnesium, sodium. It's got some calories in it, and it tastes absolutely amazing. Uh, it's just a well-made product by really awesome people. Hoist, are, Hoist is a big supporter of our military. Um, of course, this stuff is made in America, and it works. It simply works. It tastes great, and it'll keep you moving during your long runs, bike rides, uh, CrossFit workouts if you're silly and you do CrossFit. Um, you name it, it's going to keep you, keep you running, and we love Hoist. We hope you go try them out. Check them out at Get Hoist. Is it what? What is their website, Blake? So I think it's. Let me check there. I'm going to attach it in the show notes of this episode. But let me see what their uh, actual website is. O i s t Hoist. Oh, it's on the bottom. Oh, DrinkHoist.com. It's not Get Hoist. DrinkHoist.com. Get you some. You can get a subscription. They just sent, We have a subscription. They just send it to our house. We also want to let you know, Hoist is now available in select Walmart stores. So it's a good place to uh, go pick it up if you don't have time to uh, place your order online and get on that subscription program. So if you see it in Walmart, get you a case, bring it home. You won't be disappointed. Love you guys. Enjoy the episode. Here it is. The old tag office. Oh, they've got us. They've got us all duped into paying for these tags. Um, and I guess we'll. Most of you guys will just continue to do it, but I've decided not to do it anymore. And I'm wondering what the repercussions would be. What are the repercussions, Blake? Ticket. Ticket, huh? Yeah, and then if you don't pay the ticket, then they then they can put They'll a warrant. Put you in jail. They put a warrant out for you. Yeah, if you don't pay the ticket or show up to contest it, then they'll get you for failure to appear for your court date. Okay. Well, yeah. you've already failed to appear. When you sign a ticket, basically <laughs> it's like a bond. You've essentially been arrested, and you sign the ticket, and they and that's you saying that in lieu of me going to jail for this violation. I'm signing that I will either pay this or show up in court. So okay. you've essentially been arrested, and you're just signing your own bond, saying that you'll do one of the two. So if you don't sign the ticket, then they'll just take you can you take to, yeah they'll take you to jail. Oh yeah, you could go to jail if you just say I'm not going to sign it. I mean, it depends on the cop and how much he wants to push it. But essentially, you're saying no, I'm not going to sign it. So you're saying, well, no, I'm not going to show up in court or pay this ticket. And they'll say, well, I'll just put you in jail and let the judge figure it out. Hmm. Why do you guys pay for license plates? <clears throat> Just wondering. 
Who's you guys? It's a serious question. You got good tags on your car, Chili? Yeah, but I don't pay for them. <laughs> Jeff does. No, he don't either. No, I wouldn't make him do that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, Tracy must pay for him yeah. then. <laughs> I got something worked out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you give them money and they give you a tag. I don't think what you want. Uh, Coach Krista, why do you get license plates? I don't know. I've never really thought about it, but I guess because it's what I'm supposed to do. Yeah. What about <laughs> you, Blake? I just rendered to Caesar what Caesar's. Um, you Have you guys ever seen a movie called The Godfather? I've heard of it, but I've not watched it. Oh, it's an epic movie. The Godfather is It's pretty violent. It's pretty nasty. But... It gives you some insight onto it, it makes you think this is this is what government is. The, our government, they're just a bunch of thugs. They're just a bunch of thugs that that have all these daggone ways that they steal from you and I. And the only reason they have the authority to do it is because they control the violence. They control the violence. That's what it all boils down to. Everything boils down to who can control the violence. You know, I don't consider it theft anymore. It's not. As compliant as everybody is, it ain't stealing. I mean, if you walk up to somebody in the uh, on the street at a gas station, you go, hey, will you give me $20? And they hand it to you? You didn't steal from them. Kind of like the people who have sent money to the scammers on... Uh, well, that's what I was going to say. It's really more of a scam. Channel. Be perfectly honest with you, them scammers ain't stealing money either. Yeah. They're going, hey, hey, dummy, will you send me money for this gun I'm not going to send you? And then you send them $150? They did. Yeah. The onus is on you, buddy. They did, they just doing business, baby. They're just doing business, baby. You're the yeah. one sending them money like well. a dummy. <laughs> So I can't believe people actually sent those scammers money, dude. I can't either. It, but it's my it's mind boggling to me that you would send someone a hundred and fifty dollars based off of a comment on YouTube. It literally boggles my mind. That there are people who would fall yeah, for that. They do. Um, I'm sorry if you're one of those people and you're listening to the podcast. No, I ain't sorry. Just just learn from it. All right, there's a learning experience. It cost you 150 dollars to learn this lesson, not to ever send anybody money on the internet. Yeah, I ain't sorry. I mean, yeah, I guess I'm not either. If you wake up in the morning and put your own clothes on, you should know better. So, well, I've got to read y'all something. When you said Godfather, it reminded me. This was a contact form I got oh boy. on email. Have you seen it? I don't know. It says, I won't say his name. It says, hello, I'm a 24-year-old male who wants Chad to be my godfather. Oh, wow. I have to get married through Catholic Church first, then I'll be confirmed, but I haven't been able to think of anyone in my family to fit this role. I live in Nebraska, and this is not a joke. So... Oh. When you brought up Godfather, it made uh, me think. Well, look, I, I, uh, what I need for this to actually work, I need you guys to buy me a big golden ring, all right? For the pinky. Yes, and I need you guys to get me a nice suit 
and also a, a bigger, fancier leather chair in this office. And then these people that want me to be their godfather, they can come in. They can come meet me here, and I'll have conversation with them, and um, they can kiss my ring, and then, and then I'll tell them, okay, now you're under my protection, but there's going to be a day where I'm going to ask you to do a service for me. There's going to be a day. Just be ready when that day comes. And what is I, a god? I'm, to- I don't think I'm that's totally the fine kind of with Godfather that. he's talking about. Um, now the Godfather's thing was the way he got his way. He when, when something needed to be done or he needed to do something for one of his godchildren, right? That had pledged allegiance to him and his family. He would always just say, "Don't worry, I'll get it done. I'm going to make them an offer they can't refuse." And that's what he did. That's how he controlled things. That's how the government controls us. It's that's what I'm saying. They're just thugs. They're they're saying, "No, you're going to do this because I'm going to make you an offer that you can't refuse." And that's how they get their way. They're just freaking gangsters and thugs, man. Um. Anyways, I love the Godfather. The Godfather, of the movie is just a, such a masterpiece. I've not seen it. Have y'all? <sighs> Christmas I've scene. seen it. Yeah, yeah. It's just even if you have, if you haven't seen it, you need to watch it. And if you have already watched it, you ought to watch it again. Is it a? Um, is it like? A, where is it based at? It is like it's not an American movie, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's an American movie, but these these fan these are like fan. There's five families in the city. It's up in around New York and all okay. that kind of back, the mob and stuff. Kind of back in the. Uh, yeah, the war like between World War One and Two, I think, and yeah, there's five families that originated over in Italy, I think, and they've came over here and and they control things. They yeah. they control politicians and police and all this stuff. But um, yeah, it's pretty cool. I might have to watch it. Anyways, now that I'm done with my rant about government being a bunch of freaking thugs that like that they are make you good offers today we're going to talk about mainly i want to recap the alpine mission because it was it was a really epic mission the team did good uh they made a they made some mistakes (laughs) they had one rough day (laughs) and then they pulled through just to explain to you guys that are listening, what is this Alpine Mountaineering mission? Well, we here at 307 Project, part of what we do is we train people. So we have some courses that you can apply for that are kind of, I hate to even call them entry level because they're they're really legit, in-depth courses of instruction called the basic course or the proving grounds. And if you graduate from one of those two training pipelines then every year we usually run two advanced missions where we take the students from the graduates from the basic course the proving grounds we send everyone that graduated honorably not everybody gets an invitation to an advanced mission everybody that graduated honorably we send them an email as an invitation to apply for one of these two advanced missions. This year, we did the paddle trip, 
on the Altima Hall and this Alpine Mountaineering mission. And so they apply, we select out of that group of applicants, and we try to compile the best of the best for these missions because they're extremely difficult. The The Altima Hall mission was difficult in a sense that it was just super long. It took you were out there for a long time. And most people had never camped and lived off of a kayak and in that environment and and then the Alpine mission is the length isn't what makes it long. What I mean what makes it hard. What makes the Alpine mission hard is because literally from the first step you're getting punched in the freaking gut. I mean, it's just sharp, hard, to the point, and there's obviously in the backcountry always real consequences to mistakes. But in this environment, when we go way up into that alpine environment, the cost of making a mistake can mean life or death. So you have a much higher uh, risk involved in the Alpine mission. And that ends up becoming one of the biggest challenges that most people have to figure out how to do. They have to figure out on the Alpine mission how to operate in the presence of fear. Because you're going to get a little bit nervous when you get up there. If you're not then you're probably just chilly. You're brain dead like chilly. He's not nervous at all up there. He just skips around on those rocks and he doesn't give a crap. But most people get up there. I remember the first time me and Chili went up in the Alpine environment. I looked at him. I said, man, this is real. We've got to be tight up here. And he was like, what are you talking about, man? <laughs> and so uh, we don't get that a lot in life where you're in this environment where you're like, oh man, if I slip, I'm going to die. Wow, that makes me a little afraid, but I still have to keep moving well. I still have to do all these tasks right, even in the midst of this kind of lingering presence of fear caused by the risk that is involved in that area. So that's a grand opportunity. This team, we had seven team members. We had Holly, Catherine, Dustin, Aaron, Shane, um, Dakota, Dakota. Who was seven? Nathan, and Nathan LPO. That's exactly right. Yep. Awesome team. They put in a lot of work. Another cool thing about these Alpine missions is when we compile these teams, they don't get a team number. They actually choose their team name, all right? And they get they know they're chosen for this mission well in advance, usually five, six months ahead of time. Which, by the way, while, I, while I'm on that topic right there, I, I like the way you were thinking this morning, Tilly talking about next year the run across america or your your uh appalachian trail oh yeah here's the thing man i have a i I see a lot of people when we when we send out maybe an invitation for a mission or some type of training or something way in advance like that people don't want to commit to something that's five six months out look if you 
can't uh, commit yourself to something that may even be a year in advance, the likelihood of you ever doing anything epic is very, very low. You don't stumble into epic adventures. You don't, you, you don't do really difficult, challenging, complex, life-changing things spur of the moment. It just doesn't happen. You need to understand this. If you want to do something outside of the box that's going to challenge you, that's going to be different, that's going to be complex, you got to be able to look forward even a year in advance and write it down and commit yourself to it. All right? That's just how it is. So these people do that. And then they spend uh, usually four to six months in advance doing internal calls, uh, planning, uh, developing their roles, responsibilities, all that stuff as a team. And I will check in with them about every month, month and a half along the way. I'll do a quick call with them, might feed them a little piece of intel or something that helps them kind of plan another phase of their operation, maybe help them iron out some aspects of their roles and responsibilities, but they name their team. This was Team Ascension. They, they delegate all their roles and responsibilities as far as a medic, an LPO, squad leaders, uh, navigators, uh, communications, uh, all that's intel. They have to fill all these roles. They delegate all that. And so by the time that we show up to actually conduct this mission, these people have been, these seven people have been talking to each other and planning for months and months and months. And we show up on site. We stay, we all meet the night before the mission. And we have something called an operations order where they, as a team, present their plan. They brief us as instructors. Okay, this is what we're going to do. This is the environment we're in. This is the plan we've made based off the information you've given us. They hit all their roles and responsibilities. And um, it's a really unique part of the training. And this is done formally. So when they we, we set it up where they get it in front and say who they are and give their piece, right? And then after that, we give them our feedback on based off of what they've planned. Um, so I thought their their op board was really squared away. Yeah, yeah, I do too. I mean, that's uh, it was it. It's you always know. Well, I guess you don't always know, but um, I knew after their op board that this was going to be a this was going to be a, a good mission. Yeah, it kind of tells you how serious they're they're taking it and how much planning they put into it, and they had a lot of in depth things. And you know, outside of that, many of them spoke well, presented well, and uh, yeah, I mean, I think that tells you a lot. Even aside from just what they're going to do on the mission, it tells you how serious they're taking it. Yeah. Now let's talk about the next morning. We get up, meet at our primary insert point. And we get right into this thing. What do y'all think about that first day? I, I I think they all extremely underestimated mm -hmm. 
what that altitude and that terrain was going to do to them. <laughs> well, yeah, I think I think sometimes you feel like if you're pretty prepared, if you're fit, that nothing can go wrong. But I think, you know, that often it often happens that yeah, you'll be really fit or whatever, but then the day that you've been waiting for gets here, whether it's a race or, or a mission like this, and say you're – I don't think anyone was sick really, but say you get sick the day before. I mean, how fit you are doesn't matter. You're about, you're about to have a rough time, yeah. you know, or, and like I think, you know, some of them had stuff unexpected. Who knows what it was, you know, maybe not feeling well, what whatever, and just kind of got punched in the mouth. Well, that terrain <laughs> will give you all you want from it. I mean, you go, you can push it. It don't matter how fit you are. You can get out there and get on the struggle bus real quick. And old, uh, old Dustin, he got a little overloaded. <laughs> Dustin, I know you're going to listen to this. We might talk a lot about you as we move <laughs> through this, through this first day. I feel like I have. We have permission to bring up Dustin's name as oh, much yeah. as he likes. Dustin's going to laugh. Dude, yeah. Dustin was awesome. He's man. just going to laugh about it. I'm glad yeah. I got to meet him. Yeah. He uh. Yeah, no, I mean, he, he got – well, and the reason it was odd is because he's really fit. I mean, Dustin's a fit dude. He yeah. knows how to move on that terrain. It's just, you know, sometimes it doesn't really matter. Well, and it you might can still get to struggling. It, you have to hit every, – like, everything has to be right. Nutrition has to be right. Hydration. How, how have you been sleeping? Like, if some of that's off, well, then you're going to struggle more than you thought you were. He had quite a load on him, too. I was about to say. Yeah. So, the first night after the op board, when we were at the Airbnb, um, I I asked them, I said, do you guys want any, do you guys want a class just on what to pack for this mission, right? How to pack your gear out. And they said, no, nah, we're good. I said, all right, roger that. And, and then I got to looking at their bags, and, and they had umbrellas and... Um, they had all kinds that of cooks. Big, <laughs> big they they had a cook set that I, I don't even know how to describe it. It was about it, the size of that printer, wasn't it? it? Was, <laughs> yes, it was literally about the size of that freaking printer right there. I mean, this thing was massive. A big double pot cook set. And and I you know, I just see all kinds of stuff kind of hanging off their bags and and I said, you know what, guys? All right, we're we're gonna we're gonna do that class anyways. I know you guys said you know, but but we don't need to bring umbrellas. And they didn't like it that I told them not to bring their umbrellas. Well, I'm a, I'm a, I kept my mouth shut when it was happening. They probably should have pared down the cook set, but I I like the umbrellas too. <laughs> I <laughs> like the cook set. That so, was a nice cook set. Sometimes you gotta have just something up there like a token piece. The, you know well, what I mean? Well, those were hyperlight umbrellas. Yeah. I mean, they were nice umbrellas. That's what I'm saying, man. But. Yeah, that's, sunbrellas. They're sunbrellas. Yeah, they 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 told me they said, but look, they're really light. You got space for one token piece, <laughs> and that was theirs. Mine was my cigar. Yep, we'll, we'll get to that later. But uh, uh, the uh, like ounces equal pounds, man. When you're at altitude and you're going straight up the side of a freaking mountain range, like I don't even care if it's uh, I don't even care if it's like tags on your clothing. Like cut all the tags out of all your clothes. Like I learned that. By the way, I'll give a little shout out to one of the guy that trained me in the backcountry. His name's John Barklow. He has a YouTube channel called Lessons from the Storms. He doesn't get any traction on YouTube. And he's probably one of the best guys in the backcountry that li that is living 
um, he trained me in the environment uh, in Kodiak, Alaska. And it just pains me to see this guy, like, he's putting out all this great information. And no, nobody wants to freaking watch him. I, I think because, uh, there again, it goes back to him. If you're, dude, John, if you listen to this, you probably won't ever listen to this. But look, man, people just want to be entertained. Quit telling them stuff that they actually need to know. <laughs> just just make it look cool, and it can be pointless. But as long as it looks cool, you're going to start getting some traction on there. Then you can kind of feed them little tidbits of good stuff, right? You can sneak the, the real stuff that they need to know in there. But, yeah, John even taught me, cut all the tags out of your freaking clothes, man, and you got a pile of fabric like this. That's a few ounces, and that equals pounds. So we pared their gear down even that first day, but they were still heavy, man. And Dustin had the majority of, I, I, I don't know how they were all packed, but I know Dustin had that cook kit. He was their pack mule. Yeah, he was their pack mule. Yeah, we're being hard, y'all are being hard on Dustin. I mean, he had about a hundred pounds. Well, on that's his what back. I'm saying. <laughs> that's what yeah. I'm saying. He was carrying yeah. a load. Yeah, man. Yeah, and and then we get going up too, and um, we had one team member that started struggling with the with the load that she had on, and what a lot of people don't understand in these missions that we do is everybody's coming. We we select teams not based off of. Uh, people's physical ability. We don't try to line up a bunch of people who are physically uh, the exact same, right? I mean, you might you're going to have a broad range of physical capability within these teams because it is about the team as a whole moving throughout the course of this mission, and it's not about any single person's physical capability. I like what Aaron Witt said. Aaron said physical uh, physical fitness is an enabler and he means that in a way of like it's simply a thing that will enable the team to move further faster it has nothing to do with you so then when they transferred you know the the load off of holly i know dustin took a lot of that in too and then shane took a lot of that in mm-hmm. and uh and all of a sudden oh shane boy he got real quiet Mm-hmm. Shane, what's up, man? You you got you started getting quiet on me, man. And and so we had Shane and Dustin that were that were uh, getting getting pretty well in the pain cave. Yeah, getting up there to the first water source. And um, there's only one water source in this area. It's super dry when you get way up high up there. And the water source is about a mile and a half outside of camp. Where, where we actually camped for the first night, the first objective. And so made it to the water source. No drama other than Dustin got to hurting. Yeah. Shane got quiet, but he never missed it. He, he wasn't yeah, missing steps That's yet. the thing. They're not – it's not really affecting their – I mean, you're struggling, but they're not – nothing's going wrong, you know. I mean, they're holding it together. Yeah. Yep. I mean, I was proud of them. So we get up, we finally get up to uh, our first objective and we set up camp. They did really good on that. Yep. Um, We won't tell, we do something special when we set that camp up. We won't announce that here. But I was really surprised with their ability to to overcome the obstacle that we put in front of them. Mm -hmm. And uh, they knocked that out. James 
we James taught a climbing class, which was really good, man. Yeah. I, I, I mean, so James is our co-instructor on this trip specifically because, well, one, because we love James first and foremost, James Ward. Two, because he is a very knowledgeable technical climber. All right, so he knows how to set ropes and climb rock faces and set anchors and all this stuff. And he taught every time James teaches that class, I learn something new. We all get to learn how to, you know, construct our Swiss seats and tie all these different knots and set anchors and all this stuff. So he's really good at teaching that too. He is. I mean, my opinion don't count for much, but that even you learned how to tie a Swiss seat. That's Chili. what I'm saying, man. Like I've I've had. Several people try to show me that type of stuff before. I mean, it don't register. No. It don't register. I don't but, know how you tie your shoes. Uh, well, but I James got it through my head because not only did I figure it out that day, I figured out I still could tie them all the next day. Yeah. I mean, James, like, drilled the hole in my head or something. You actually set the ropes up on the summit. <laughs> Eat that. And then... And then the water debacle happened. Yeah? Yeah, that was freaking piss poor. And then the water debacle happened. So, we'll get camp set up, right? Well, once you get into camp, you have to have water to cook, mainly to cook. Uh, so, you can't just use your personal water bottle. So, you have to fill these dromedary bags. And sometimes in this area that we're in, sometimes there is a near water source, but it's not very reliable. This time it didn't exist. So I went out with a scouting team. We couldn't find any water in the, the near source. So that means they had to assemble a team to go backwards a mile and a half one way. A mile and a half and probably over a 1,000 feet of descent. And the same coming back. So three-mile round trip, 2,000 feet of eleva elevation change. And they had to, They have these dromedary bags that they go and fill up. They use for cooking water and stuff like that. Top and, and then to top off for the next day, the next portion of the mission. So you don't have to make that trip twice. So Team Ascension takes off with Instructor Chili. And they head on back down to that water source and this is about what is this evolution a two-hour evolution two or three hours well that's what it ended up being i think it's a yeah it's about a two-hour evolution by the time you get down there and fill this then the water source is just a trickle that's I mean. the problem man it takes forever yeah to fill it up yeah so they take off <clears throat> i go back into uh in i'm just hanging out and i walk back over into their their camp and I know I see a bunch of water bottles laying around that are like half full and and some of them are even like almost empty. And I'm like, what what is going on here? Like, so I called LPO over. They actually uh, challenged us on this line of thinking. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah, I mean they they so what they had done twice. What they had done is they had tried to calculate how much water they would need to cook that night and then to get them through the next day. Now, that's extremely hard to calculate because you have not only the water you cook with, 
Then you have the water that people have to drink that night. Then you have the water people are going to use in the morning for breakfast to cook with again, for coffee, hydrating, and then you have all the water that the entire team needs to move throughout the day, the next day. And don't really know what they're doing. And don't know the what they're day. doing or how Dude, far they're going. Hard to calculate. It's inane. Uh, I think it, uh, I yeah. Mean, <laughs> and so I'm like, why are all these empty bottles laying around here? And LPO says, well, um, we, we figure we need about uh, this much water to get us through. And so we just sent the dromedary. We sent them down with the dromedary bags and, and the bottles that we needed. And we're just going to fill those up. And I was like, well, it's a two, two or three hour evolution, three mile round trip, really hard to get back down and back up from that water source. Don't you think that you would just take every single container that you could possibly muster and that you would just fill them all up? And that way, you know you would have enough water, and then hopefully, maybe you have a little bit left over if you're lucky. And um, I, I ultimately told him, "It's your call." So they had sent three team members down, right? They're the water boys to yep. get to get water. And so then the LPO says, "Ah, well, Chad's probably right. We probably need to take these other fifteen Nalgene bottles." down to the water source and fill them up too. So we're going to muster another team to now go down and get water too. Well, a few of their team members were down hard. They had already committed three, so that left them with how many more? Four. Four more in camp. Two of those were down hard. They weren't going to get no water. They, yeah. they, 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 were, they needed to rest. Um, and so that left them with only two more to bring the rest of the containers down behind the original water crew and get water. So I'm like, all right, well, I guess instructor Chad is going to be the water instructor for this second water run. So I start headed down with them and, and you know, the two that are left back up in camp that are down pretty hard, they're, uh, they're in bad shape, uh, headaches and all this and that, and I, I got to thinking, man, these juggers shouldn't be, we're only at about, we're just a little over 9,000 feet here, shouldn't be, you know, altitude sickness, and I, I asked Catherine, which was on my water team, I said, how many times have you peed today? How many times do you think she peed that day? One time. She had peed one time in like 10 hours. And so then I started realizing, okay, most of them are just dehydrated yeah. is what's going on. And um, we got down, got back up, and we got back up, and this was an epic, epic fail. Well, and then they, but they passed too, right? Yeah, yeah, they passed, they yeah. They passed each other. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the and just water boys five. heading back up, and they were like uh, – they well see what was funny is they still were like, why did this other team come down here? They kind of mm -hmm. thought it was silly because they thought it was a good idea to only bring, you know, yeah, the water that they needed. And I'm just, I, I we we pass, I pass Chad, and I'm just like, this is unbelievable. And then 
a lot of yeah, extra work. Yeah, I just. Well, I mean, if there's anything that can be said about it, it's that at least they had a plan. Like at least they got together as a team. They said, "This is our plan." This it. It was just two different ideas or or plans, and it just comes out of lack of being in the backcountry. You know, I mean, you would say, "Yeah, common well, sense says that," but then you would also say that. Well, they they formulated this plan. It just was wrong. But do you know why they made that plan instead of all the bottles? I mean, because I know why. Because the it was lighter. Yeah. Yeah, they wanted to minimize how much but, how much weight the original. But water I mean, team had to like, carry. just that's that you want to if you want to do a calculation, that's a simple calculation right there. Save um, a few pounds on each of their packs, or have enough water, yeah. which is more important. I mean, they were going to be fine with it. Like, it just, yeah, it just didn't make any sense, you know. Don't worry, Team Ascension. You, we know you guys turned it around after a while. Don't worry, <laughs> we're gonna, we're gonna get to that. Uh, the first day was a little rough. Um, so, <laughs> well, they're cooking while y'all are gone. Yeah, they start. So, Team Ascension had put together a bunch of dehydrated meals nice meals a nice yeah. plan yeah they had a great plan so they didn't have to do this obviously we would have provided dehydrated meals to them but they said no we want to handle all of our meals and uh and we're gonna we're gonna cook for instructors too they said roger that all right we get back up from this water run huh. and i start hearing rumors that they had ruined their somehow ruined their dinner for that night. They only had two dinners, so when you ruin an entire dinner, that's a problem. All right. So I'm like, what the heck could they have done? Like, why? What? What's going? What's going to happen here? And I get go under the 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 tarp where they're cooking at. And I said, what's going on? He's Dustin's sitting there, and he's got a one of the, his, his massive pots, and it's just brimming over <laughs> with this dang, uh, what what was it? Noodle. It's like a... It's like some sort of chili mac or like... It was a... Was that his lasagna Mexican, or... They no, did it was the, the Mexican Okay. Thing. I mean, it's just brimming over with this beautiful looking food, but it's just sitting there. And I'm like, what's going on with that, Dustin? Like, what What happened? And he he pulls out a, a pack. It's a silica pack. It's they they use it to you put it in dehydrated meals to absorb any moisture that's left in the bag when the bag gets sealed. And he pulls this pack out. It's a big one. He said, "Well, man, I thought this was seasoning." <laughs> so their cook got this meal ready, all warmed up, heated up. He cuts off the top of the silica pack. Seasoning pack. And pours all of that. What is that stuff, Chili? It's just hydrated silica. He pours the silica all over and stirs it into their meal, thinking that it's seasoning. Well, Holly tastes one of the noodles to see if it's done, and she said, Dustin, this tastes kind of gritty. What's, what's going on with this? Oh, man. He tells her, I'll put this seasoning on there. That's when she looks at it, and that. So luckily, they didn't all eat it. Man, but so did they have a meal? Okay, well, they ended up having about a. They ended up having about a thimble full of food because <laughs> here's what happened. 
So then they took their second dinner that they were supposed to eat the next night. They split it in half, and they cooked half of their second dinner. That's all you can do. That's all. That's the, they had no other choice. And um, and so that night, we we sit down for evening meeting, and I'm looking around me, and eat their each of them have their bowl, and they've got about about a fist. Not a fist size. If that portion, if they've got about four spoonfuls of food in their bowl, and I'm like, okay, well maybe they, maybe they're just gonna eat this and then go back and get you know another bowl, and I go and look in the pot because I was gonna get me some of that stuff too. <laughs> that joker had been scraped clean, son. That was all they had, was just a little thimble full of food. So, at that point, I thought the uh, the cank bird started flying, son. <laughs> the cank bird was flying low. I told Chili and Blake and James, I said, have y'all ever heard of an acronym called CANEX? Cancel exercise. <laughs> um, oh, man. Because I'm like, man, Team Ascension... They're pretty beat up. They're dehydrated. Now they're really low on calories. And we ain't even started. Like we ain't even done we ain't even got to the hard part. And um we uh we, Oh man, you don't need to eat out there. We all got plenty of body fat to get through that. Yeah. Come on, man. Yeah. Me except for me and Blake. We're pretty low. We're in that elite range. We do performance stuff. And 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 also because of all this, now now us as instructor cadre, we're over there trying to figure out how we're gonna ration the food out that we brought. And now of course Blake, he brought Blake doesn't eat anybody else's food. He eats mushroom risotto from good to go. Dehydrates. That's all he eats up there. I don't count on nobody for my food. I count on only Blake. So you gotta be prepared. James now James by the end of the night, he was like, "Boys, I'm gonna be running. <laughs> I'm gonna be running real low by the end of this trip." And so, I always bring enough for me to eat plus one. So I had enough to compensate for James. We'll talk about what what Chili did on on night two, which which by the Should way, be what you did while we're talking about while we're talking about Chili, Chili got MVI on this trip. Most valuable instructor. We need to get a plaque made. Nah. Yeah, you got MVI, most valuable instructor. I don't know how I pulled that out. <laughs> so we thought the cank bird. I heard the cank bird crowing and just trying to cancel this thing. But we got up the next morning, said we're gonna give this dang thing a shot anyways, and something happened to Team Ascension overnight. I don't know what it was. I don't know what flipped for them. But, man, when they got up the next morning and caveat, Team Ascension, you didn't miss your first timeline. Well, that's what I was going to say. It wasn't looking good yeah, right off the rip you, when, when Nathan came over. You did miss your first timeline. All right. But after that, <laughs> after that initial mistake, 
when they got their packs on and they got ready to go, they were locked on. Yeah. They were locked on, squared away. That whole day was, mm-hmm. they operated smooth. Mm-hmm. Yep. So Most of the day. A little bit toward the end, but we made our we 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 made our way up toward the summit. Now, it's mostly off trail to get up to this summit because once you get above the timberline, it's just boulders and rocks, and you know you're just kind of picking your route in in terrain associating off of the big terrain features around you, <clears throat> and um, it's slow movement. So it's not that far distance wise, but it is very slow deliberate movement uh as and especially as you get closer to the final approach to the summit and that's when uh Catherine had her kind of moment well you know we were probably a half mile from the summit and we had to stop i i, I kept i i knew i figured this would happen when that happened we had had to stop for something those people yeah, there were some other there were some other people up there or something, and, and they were coming down and and I and I it was getting kind of hairy in there at that spot, and I figured now we're gonna stop. They're gonna lose the momentum mm-hmm. that they had moving toward this summit, and they're gonna have time to sit and look around them yeah. and think about where they're at, and that's when it kind of hit her, and she. I don't want to say, I don't want to say she froze up, but she kind of did, just for a minute. But she just even out loud said, "Nope, I'm gonna make my body go." Like she reeled her mind back in, and in spite of that kind of lingering fear, due to kind of the, the more risky area that we were moving into she forced her body to get back up and running. It's right? pretty, I mean, pretty incredible because a lot of people will say that and they might keep moving, but they're just so darn squirrely. You got to say, hey, this this ain't going to cut it. Yeah. But for her to say that and then actually make her body move forward. Move well. And move well was pretty incredible because you could see it on her face that she was like, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. But yeah, when she did, she did good. It was yeah, it was an amazing transformation and and just an am, amazing to witness in real time a person's a person just reel their mind back in and actually continue mission, like see it unfold all in real time. And that was almost practice for the summit, you know, it's like she got to practice that in a less risky environment and then implement it where it actually mattered, you know, because she, when we got up there, we had that talk and yeah, we'll probably get into that. But yeah, we moved up to Summit One. Any drama to Summit One, Chili? Chili would, Chili had taken lead by this point. He's our, once we get up into a, a certain area, I send Chili out front. He, he does the route finding from there on. No, I mean, that's, uh, I think we, we learned a lot from the first one and we, uh, part, we, we, I don't know. I think we have good roles, all of us, because I'm always aware of everything, but, you know, I just have a different perspective a little bit, um, you know, with what y'all had with Catherine, uh, just because I'm, I mean, I, I she was moving well, you know, 
once we got past that and you know that's that's all I'm really paying attention to cuz I mean I'm I'm focused on just the route and and doing it right and modeling it right and then helping them that way and you know y'all need y'all don't need to really be thinking about that you need to be watching and analyzing the team you know and it's good that we can I don't have to try to do both and you don't have to try to do both and so I was just cool. I just thought of that while you, while you were saying that is, you know, I was more focused on that aspect of it. And I don't know, it just allows us to, to do it a lot better. I think, um, that's so, one of the yeah. things I love most about the Alpine trip is it gives us as a, as a instructor team, <clears throat> the, the ability to model on a high level, everything we teach them. Like everything from LPO to squad leaders to people who have specific tasks like Chili's just talking about, um, it gives us an opportunity to hopefully model all of that well for them, how that actually works. Because when I when I get up there, I don't really do when, – when we get up there toward the summit, I don't really do anything. They These guys do everything. And I'm just watching the whole picture. Right, and if I have suggestions here or there, I'll make a suggestion to them if, if I see something or whatever. But ultimately, even when I make a suggestion to any of Blake, James, or Chili, I say this is just my suggestion. Ultimately, it's your call. You're the one that's doing that specific task, and it does. It flows beautifully. Um, we make it to Summit One, and this is where we go ahead and get our harnesses on, and that was pretty cool. I think I, you know, you can, you can make that summit without ropes, but there are a couple moves where if you slipped, you would be donezo. I mean, not no chance of survival. And so we decided to go ahead and and do the the harnesses from there. Set a few trunk lines, and um, I just think it was a cool part to add to the training. Uh, it was, it's just a, another skill that the team got to learn, then implement in a real world environment and actually have to put trust in it. Yeah. I mean, if there's enough risk there that it makes sense to put it up, but it's not, it's not so slack on risk that it's like, Oh, this is dumb. I'm not, I don't even have to pay attention here. It like yeah. is enough to where you have to, you have to pay attention to what you're doing and trust it. And then it shows you how to do everything. You know, it's like, so you're gaining the skill, but then you also have to implement it and see how it works and move and how everything's tied. And, and when they got there, they all just went ahead and put their, you know, busted their stuff out, put all their gear on. They were oh, buddy they checking it. each other. You went through and checked everybody. All the knots were right. They and were all so, good to go, too. Yeah, that was that was impressive. Nobody screwed it up. And uh, one, I think one of D Dustin's favorite parts of the mission was there were two other guys up there on Summit 1. Most people that say that they summit this mountain, they go to Summit 1. You can get to Summit 1, and then between Summit 1 and su Summit 2, it's only a couple hundred yards, but that's where the real hard part is. So these guys that were up there, they had made it to Summit 1, and they were getting ready to go back down. And uh, Dustin starts tying his Swiss seat on, and those guys said, man, that's a pro move right there. 
Oh, yeah. He ate that up. That was one of Dustin's favorite parts of the mission, man. I didn't even get to hear that. but um, And every member of Team Ascension made the summit, Summit 2, the actual summit. We ran this mission last year, and we had two team members that did not make the summit. And it was because of many different reasons. You can go back and listen to that episode if you want. I'm sure we recapped it on some other uh, podcast from last year. But, um, you know, if you would have told me at the end of day one when the cank bird was flying that everyone in Team Ascension was going to make that summit the next day, I would have freaking said you were insane. I would have said there's no way. Well, I would have said there's several that I'm not going to let even attempt it if they wanted to. Yeah. But off the way they were performing. Yep. Every one of them summited, and every one of them summited strong, yeah. too. Like, none of them were, were even borderline, you know, because we, we established the precedent right off the bat that at any point in the mission, if any one of us as instructors sees that you are not moving well, well and you're making us uncomfortable, we can pull you off and basically you're going to have to sit in a safe place until, you know, every everybody that can summit summits, and then we all come down off the mountain together. There wasn't a single person that I looked at, watched, saw, that I was like, eh, if they make one more mistake, they're not going any further. So I was super, super proud of them for doing that. That was really cool to get the whole team up there. Yeah. And um, our MVI was up there to greet them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> James wasn't up there. Hit <laughs> selfies and take pictures and all that. And coming down, a little different route coming down. I'm not gonna lie to you, Chili. That daggone spot on uh on the route down was oh, from two years ago. That remember that one spot where I where I called ahead mm-hmm. and I said, Can we go this way? And and you were like, well, we can go that way, but we that can. Was James do- that said that. Yeah, but we can. And then I was like, is this even passable? Because I'm looking down, and from where I'm at, it looks like a sheer drop straight down, and that's where Chili's going. That's to me. That's the best way. I thought that. Was, yeah, I mean, because it's it's really not you. You from where you were at. You were way far behind me, yeah. so you only saw like that's a sheer drop off. But really, it's a it's like a step down ladder. Yep. I mean, there's always there's that's why I went that way because it's the most direct route. The other way, you have to go around, and unless I'm just crazy, which <laughs> could be, there's a point that is about the same when you go the other way. So yeah. I mean, I was like, yeah, this is this is right. I mean. But it's steep. When I got up there to it, I've got that on video. I'll, I'll post that on Instagram. It's certainly steep. When when I got to it I, and could actually see it, I realized, okay, it's stepped to where you can't actually get down this. But looking at it from above, it looked impassable. Yeah. And I thought my MVI was about to take us Ooh. off a dang cliff. I killed a shrew on that little step down, too. <laughs> Nobody gave me any credit for that. I did. I don't need credit. <laughs> Like almost stepped on it. I had him just laying there across a rock with his neck snapped. 
You should have brought it back into camp. We could have fried that thing up, man. <laughs> I almost stepped on that shrew with my shoe. <laughs> they needed some more vittles. Yeah, we needed some more vittles in instructor <laughs> camp. Hmm. Who's we? Me, <laughs> me and Blake didn't. Oh, man. So, navigating back. It's a pretty tricky little nav to, to go back because when you're going back, you're kind of skirting a, a big terrain feature on your right-hand side. And the way the land lays in there, it wants to... You obviously naturally want to keep going down you want your body wants to go downhill right well there's a point on this route naving back where if you drop down too low you can't really get back up uh to take the actual route and you get sucked down into this big bowl and um so we had to pimp them a few times, but navigators did great. They stayed locked on. Uh, they actually found a little watering hole on the way back. That was pretty cool. It was just a big kind of hollowed out spot in the rock where water had collected. And they filtered their water out of there. And Good decision to do that. Yeah, too. they all topped up on water, and we got moving again. And now there was a point where on that nav back it, now it's getting late into the day you've had all this adrenaline going you've made the summit you've hit your objective and now you're just grinding it out trying to get back but you're still moving across really really hairy terrain and so you, you can never turn off and there was a point where they did get a little fatigued i think that the fatigue started to creep in and their command structure began to break down. Um, one of their navigators pushed too far up, got out of sight of the rest of the team. They lost eyes on. They didn't know where he went. And uh, I had a little talk with their leadership team, and then they reeled it right back in and uh, and finished strong. Yeah, they finished strong. Yeah, down into back down into base camp. Um, yeah. They finished strong down in the base camp. I mean, that's the... What happened that night? Oh, I, I mean, the biggest thing I remember that night or that evening... Well, they went to get water. Yeah. I mean, again. Seems like something... Maybe that was it, just going to get water again. Yeah. And then when Dustin, you got back up... Water boys. When you got back up and Chad had told them, hey... Oh. My instructor here. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Well, I didn't mean that, but... Yeah, there, wanna, there's a few to... things happened that evening. <laughs> um, Yeah, that they and Dustin went down and got water that evening. Yep. He, he had come back from the dead, son. Yep. That jugger was back on top. Yeah. We had to split time. We watched some mule deer on the hill. Yep. And they got back up, and they were getting ready to eat dinner. And old Chili Boy, he was thin on food. I'm talking about this joker was thin. Says who? And, and you got to think, he's worked harder than any of us he as instructors because he just went down to get water again. He don't know what I had. He just did all that that we just did, and then he just volunteered to get go get water again, even though I tried to do it, and he wouldn't let me do it. And um, so he gets back up, and they say, all right, dinner's ready. 
And I said, all right, y'all save some of that dinner for Instructor Chili. He's going to get a get a pull off of that. And Chili said, what? That's the only, this is the only uh, demerit Chili gets from the entire trip. He was insubordinate. <laughs> he had, ins- he got, he got a violation for insubordination in that moment because he refused to eat any of the food uh, that, that I had told them to save for him. You'll learn one day. Also, a borderline, borderline demerit that Chili got <laughs> was uh, we had went down in town before we stepped off on a mission and got these two very expensive cigars, and that's a whole story in and of itself. But I said, all right, when we get done with this summit, we get back into camp, we're going to smoke these cigars. And so we did. And we get into camp, and I lit my cigar up and started smoking it, and Chili refused to smoke his cigar with me. So I sat on a log and smoked my cigar by myself as, as a job well done while they did whatever they were doing. That was freaking bull crap, man. You didn't ask me to. Bull crap, man. He did. I told you to light that cigar up, and yeah. you were like, oh, the paper's peeling off of it. Yeah, man. I seen you know I seen him over there behind his tent too, and he was peeling that paper off so he could use that ass stick. <laughs> oh, that's bullcrap! <laughs> You're freaking full of crap, Blake. I know why Chili didn't smoke that cigar because he he wants to be able to say I've never smoked before, and if he would have smoked that cigar, he would no longer be able to say that. I, I know I, that's I how his mind be, I don't want to be able to say that. I've never said I've never smoked before. When have I ever said that? I've said I've never drank before drink al- al- alcohol you will take a smoke won't you <laughs> i will start the base on you <laughs> so i won't uh, take man. a drink but yeah. i will he's I will a, you probably you still chew on that cigar at night don't you look man i i think i wanted that for a different reason than you wanted it I took me a picture with it at the summit, and I'm still I'm still getting draws off of it at home. <laughs> you got rid of it all in one one little trip. No, I actually smoked that thing for the next five days every day at lunch. <laughs> Chili goes home and he puts that suit on, and he walks around his house with that cigar, and he says, "Hey Jeff, you gonna you gonna get my tag today? <laughs> Jeff, you got that money from my tag?" <laughs> Luckily, he ain't got to do that. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. So, day three, they were were so locked on by day three that they didn't even really need us anymore, which is the ultimate objective every time we take a team out. And um, they executed perfectly on day three, moving down to – their extract point, no drama there. They made my life easy, uh, all our lives easy. We actually got to kind of integrate and have some good conversation with them on the way down because we weren't consumed with critiquing mistakes or anything like that. And um, and that was the end of the mission. And I think one of the biggest points of feedback that most of them had was, man, we wish it was longer. But for me as an instructor, 
I feel like once they reach a certain point as a team, that that's it doesn't need to be any longer because I can just keep throwing stuff at them and we can keep making it hard and we can keep going into hard places, but they're just they've reached a point where they're just going to get it done uh, because everything's op- once everything starts operating the way it's supposed to operate within the team and they've got everything figured out, that's mission accomplished for me. Yeah, once they come to a point where they can say, all right, here's a problem. Let's come together as a team and figure out how to solve the problem. That's what we want to achieve. And once they can do that effectively, you, I mean, you, then you're just throwing problems at them. It's like you know how to do simple addition, and you just keep throwing, and they're just spitting out answers. And it's like, well, okay, let's now go do your own stuff. Yeah, yeah. And I, but I understand they're yearning for it to be longer because they're like, man, okay, now we know what this feels like to – to operate at this level, man, now I want to I want to do this for a little while. Like, I want to do it right for a little while because it feels good. But um, we had to we had to mule deer hunt. We had to take a mule deer hunt. Oh, so. we forgot um, about you getting them to fill up y'all's water for you that night before. Oh, no, that was an accident. <laughs> that really was. We're not smart yeah, enough to was. think that too far ahead. So. It was funny, though. Uh, it happened that way. Yeah. So me and James just left our tents and all, you know, most of our gear up there and uh, went down to the extract. Mission complete. Good job, Team Ascension. Yeah. Complete success. Yeah, for sure. You guys were awesome, if not one of the one of my favorite teams that I've ever trained before. Um, and we went and got a little Mexican. Well, this is when I got my other... I really had one full demerit, and then I had a half, and then I had another half. This is where I got my second half demerit. Mm. Were you suit snack? Yeah, yeah, that was. Yeah, bad. you got. Well, we yeah. could. We had to go eat before we could fix that. You know that whole ride to the Mexican restaurant was just uh, all it's anger. Yeah. It was just an angry ride. Why was it angry? Well, Chad's she, a very angry well, person. Chad no. pissed me off. I said we're gonna go eat. And so I had flown out here, and I knew I was going to hunt afterwards. But the way I roll, it, like I hadn't booked a flight home. I said, I'll, I'll, I'll figure out. I'll book a flight home whenever I get ready to come home. So we finally get some cell phone service. We're riding the Mexican house. Well, Chili, Chili's uh, travel suit had been left at the place where we were storing gear. Mm-hmm. And he said, "Let's. We got to go get my travel suit." I said, "No, we're going to eat, and you can get your travel suit later on your own time." And that freaking pissed, pissed him off big time. So he he just shut down. You know, he didn't say another word the whole drive. You know what? It didn't piss me off uh, that we had to delay to get it. It pissed me off how you how you spoke to me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. He. Uh, yep. He just he shut down. And then I'm looking at flights, and I'm like, okay, we'll fly back, you know, whatever night and get back in about 11 o'clock. And I'm like, Blake, you're going to have to pick me up. And uh, Well, no, you didn't say that. You was just booking your flights. Before we had left, I said, do we need to take two vehicles because you're coming back at a separate time? And he said, well, unless you don't, if you don't want to come get me. And I said, well, if James, you're both flying back. 
if you can, he can bring you halfway up the interstate, I'll come meet you and get you. Well, naturally, he hasn't mentioned any of that to James. It's the first James has heard of this. Is well, I don't know. I was just going to Uber home, and James, said, I'm not Ubering, and that's how he rolls, so, Blake. So he says, "Well, he rolls. I'm gonna book this flight, and we're gonna be coming in about eleven o'clock, and I got at night, and I got to thinking." He's he's thinking I'm gonna come pick him up, and I said I don't know how you gonna be getting home because I ain't coming down there at eleven o'clock, and I had him over the barrel. You should have just said you're gonna have to figure that out on your own time. (laughs) I had him over the barrel, boy. It made him mad, and then he said, "You know, man, that really that's bull crap, man. That hurts. That that is bull crap." (laughs) You know. So then it made me mad. That he was just expecting that I would just be at his beck and call to come get him whenever. This was a work trip, man. Yeah. This this mule deer hunt was a business trip. He a- spun it off of that to try to rope me into this. Look, are you going to make a video out of that mule deer hunt? Yeah, man. I'm only one man. I do everything around here on the computer. I ain't got time to do Ultima Hall and the mule deer and I'm trying to. Get y'all's tennis video done. So so I filmed this mule deer hunt for y'all. Well, I bet it's exciting. Me and James <laughs> me and James filmed this mule deer hunt for y'all. See, this was a work trip. I wasn't out there hunting because I like to hunt. I was trying to put together a good film for y'all. A lot of action. Yeah. I could have got more action out of my 30-minute hunt in the backyard here. Yeah, you drew blood. <laughs> um, And so... I just got, I, I was really hurt that I was out on a work trip and my business partner literally would refuse to pick me up from the airport when I'm on a work trip. I mean, that's unsad. That's not how we operate. Well, again, to Chili's point, it wasn't that uh, I re- would refuse to pick you up because I didn't want to come. It was because you treated me like your servant. Like, no, you're the, my partner, like, man. Up. Oh, Hey Blake, this is, I don't care what you got going. I know you said for me to get with James, but I I just didn't, and uh, so this is what I'm gonna be. And you know, he's not bringing me up. You're gonna have to come all the way down here, and it's gonna be at midnight. That's how. Sometimes, man, that's part of business. And dude. in the end, I said, well, whatever you wanna do, dummy, I'll come get you. And uh, I just need a little time, and I figured it out. Me and Chili got us a ride, and yeah. They- so that anger that you're describing before was that everybody it sounds like everybody was angry everybody except for james james <laughs> wasn't angry because well we were all pretty hungry too i think yeah yeah and we went and crushed a pile of mexican food <laughs> and i drank a whole pint of beer me and james drank both a whole pint of beer ate a massive mexican plate and then blake and chili drove us straight back to the mountain and we went straight back up that samba gun. He was so drunk, he about couldn't even walk. <laughs> He's stumbling up the darn mountain. Lightweight. Look, man. Look, we we, we got out. This, to get back up there to where we needed to get, is about six and a half miles and about 6,000 feet of elevation gain. And old James, boy, he took out of there like a bat out of hell. I mean, he took out hot on that trailhead. And I was behind him. And I was thinking the whole time, man, I'm gonna have trouble keeping up with this dude. Like, he must be real good, strong with a pack on, you know. James is through hiked the Appalachian Trail and he's a bigger frame than me. He's probably six six one, six two. I mean, he's two hundred pounds. I thought, man, this joker 
Gonna make me look like a fool going up here. We got about a mile and a half into that thing, and that joker started burping and just (laughs) (laughs) and hey boy, he started slowing right on down. Then he started saying, "If you want to go in front of me and go on up, you can. If you want to go on ahead of me, you can." (laughs) And I was like, "No, I'm good, James." He was like, "Man, my stomach is killing me." (laughs) So. He went out a little hot, and then we uh, we 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 wound it on back down to a manageable pace shortly thereafter, and um, we won't debrief the mule deer hunt because maybe Blake will make y'all film out of that. Me and uh, me and Chili, we went and hit a lick on that gelato after we eat some fried ice cream. When'd y'all get his travel uniform? Well, we went back and got it. Yeah. Yep. Picked that up. Man, that gelato was good. Yeah, we hit a about, lick on that. That took me over the brink when I ate that. <laughs> <laughs> so we did we did some darn intake on after that. Golly. Yeah, I about, that about pushed me over the edge. We had two fried ice creams and a darn pot of gelato. You got the grande, too. Yeah, well, I don't go in there and get no freaking mini. <laughs> like a freaking... Well, when I was in the tattoo shop all day, a couple days ago... I ate a whole Little Caesars pizza mm. and a whole gelato and waffle from that ice cream oh, yeah? shop you want. And that's what I ate all Did you day. like it? Did you like it? It was good, but yeah. I felt like mashed up butthole. Yeah. <laughs> that shop you got the waffle from, they're connected to the place we ate in Utah, right? Yeah, really? they actually mentored them or taught them how to make honey cream. Oh, really? Yeah, the place that? we ate, they oh. used to live in Salt Lake. And- <laughs> oh, okay. What the crap, man? It's wild. Yeah. Well, there's your recap from the Alpine mission. Uh, if you guys want to train with us, we got a few basic course dates out for next spring, I think. Yeah. So, you going to be able to train with that token piece? Oh, yeah. This thing will heal up pretty soon. It's, it's not even near finished, but I'll be done by the spring. Um, so... <laughs> If you want to train, those dates are posted on website 37project.com. Go give us, send in your application. And then uh, probably around January, February, I'll send out invites for next year's advanced missions. Y'all can just stand by for those. If you uh, you know who you are, if, you, if you're going to get an invite. May, June, July is booked up. That's fine with me. Booked up. That's fine with me. Got yeah, it on the calendar. We hadn't put any out in those months. Good. That's booked up. All right, guys. Well, we need a sponsor for that. For a run across America? Yeah. Yeah, 307 Project will sponsor it. No, we need outside sponsors. Chili <laughs> no. is 307 Project. Outside sponsors don't have enough money, usually, to compensate for the pain in the butt that it becomes. Mm-hmm. Donation. Unless unless you're hoist, hoist is really easy to work with, and they have an awesome product. Yeah, but that's one reason why we're so selective about sponsorships and partnerships is it becomes a freaking pain in the butt. Hey man, don't need no sponsorship if you got an RV. Yeah, and if you got as much money as you got, yeah, well, I'll subsidize it. Just got to run across America, do meetups, meet and greets. <clears throat> we'll, we'll do it we'll talk about that offline 
We love you guys. Thanks for tuning in. Enough said. Oh, Krista, thanks for contributing so much to this episode. You're welcome. <laughs>